Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I'm the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Before we get into it, I want to do uh, another shout out for Real Vision. You know what to do. Head over to uh, realvision.com. One dollar will unlock their content for 30 days. You can go and download as much as you like. It's a no-brainer. Let's get into this week's uh, episode. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this one. It's a very um, long-form, meandering conversation. We touch on many different topics. Enjoy. Take care. Welcome to today's show, and today's guest is uh, at Dura Gigi. Gigi, welcome uh, back onto the show. So nice of you to uh, to spend the time with us today. Thanks. Thanks again for having me. And um, we have uh, a little a celebratory drink. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whoa. Wow. That was a good one, huh? <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to open up as well. <laughs> that was... Um... Oh, there we go. Maybe <laughs> this is actually uh, for the listeners and for and for you, mate. Um, this is actually homebrewed beer. This nice. is oh, this I is how it? sovereign I'm going. Like you know. Yeah. Now, now, full on not, not quarantine on mode. Uh, you won't be able to taste. Um, but smell? yeah, look at that. Look. Oh, that smells strong. My beer <laughs> smells like strawberries. Well, I didn't. I didn't ferment it with any strawberries. I brew it with any strawberries. So. Anyway, strawberries. congratulations, mate! Congratulations on um, <laughs> on, on the baby, and um, well done. What? Um, ha- how did it all go? What? Oh, actually, Lauren's first question. Sorry, and then we'll, then I'll ask you about the uh, the baby. So, uh, uh, I, I think I remember a bit. What is your most favorite thing? What you learned about Bitcoin? Is that it? My most most favorite thing thing that I learned about about Bitcoin. Bitcoin. You always have great questions. Like, I'm impressed. (laughs) Actually, Daddy gives me the questions. Sometimes I make them up, but he gives the questions. (laughs) It's a good question. Hmm. There, there are many, many things. I think, I think my, my my most, um, my most favorite thing about bitcoin can i can i can i tell you two things i think two things are really cool yeah yeah okay uh, i think like the first one that came to my mind is that everyone can um join and leave at will like there is you don't have to sign up for it or anything and you're not like when you're when you're born in your country for example it's really hard to leave and uh in in bitcoin everyone can just join and leave and come back at a later time like if you if you're not interested in bitcoin anymore you can easily take a break for a couple of years and come back like nothing happened and that's true for notes that's true for people that's that's just in general true it's like an open permissionless system that's how, how people describe it but the, the the cool thing is that you can just join and leave whenever you want however you want and the second uh, cool thing that that i think is is really interesting and i have to think about that often and um uh, just it always brings a smile to my face is that the way how Bitcoin works is that all the nodes they um, they kind of solve a puzzle together in a way and they arrive at the same conclusion independently like they they, they arrive at the same solution and that's what we call the chain tip like all all the nodes together they they do some 
weird mathematical computer science things and they all arrive at the same the same answer to to a bunch of questions and the same is tr like that's true for for the computer network and the nodes in bitcoin but that's also true for the bitcoiners and that's what we call a shelling point like everyone like even if you study it in isolation and there are many like many bitcoiners that, that do you arrive at the same conclusions in essence like you can lock yourself in your house for a couple of years and study bitcoin and you can arrive at the bitcoin maximalist position and that's basically what nodes do as well like it's it's really funny <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And what what was your um, other question? Why do you block? Why Why do you want to? Oh yeah. Why do you um don't let don't let people see your face? Ah, that's that's also a good question. <laughs> um, it's. You can see my face sometimes. Like if you, if you meet me in in real life, then I, yeah, I yeah, you will yeah. obviously see my face. But on camera, I I try my best not to to show my face um, online because I think it's just um, yeah in in general bad for privacy. Like um, in in Bitcoin, the it's it's also important to to care about your privacy in general and your your digital privacy and i i chose um uh, yeah a couple of years ago actually to not use my real name and um not show my face as well and uh, like not not show it online like not not post pictures of myself online and um yeah there are a couple of reasons for that and it's 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 becoming harder and harder <laughs> because uh now also with the lockdown everyone is using video chat and some of the conferences are um moving to video chat so let's see how how, how long i can keep it up but um i'm pleased that there are uh, many people like me that um, value their privacy and don't show their face and some people even don't do any voice recordings because there exists some very clever computer algorithms um, right now that can reconstruct your face just based on your voice and they're they quite scarily good actually so <laughs> if you know what you're doing you, you 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 can get a very good idea of how i look like just by using a software like that is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's there are some what? some deep learning um, thingies that can do magic like that. It's it's kind of insane, but but it works quite well. <laughs> so they can reconstruct what you would potentially look like just by taking an audio recording of your yeah, voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. That's that's machine learning it's for just you. <laughs> So weird and so cool. <laughs> I'm not saying it works perfectly, but um, it 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 works surprisingly well. Like, um, um, yeah, I I'm very interested in machine learning and uh, things related to that, and have been for for many years. And this was one of the results that was really surprising to me. Like, there there are quite a few things going on that are really weird and are very close. To magic, you know the the saying that any uh, sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from from magic. Like that's one of those. <laughs> that's nuts! Wow. Okay. Cool answer. Cool questions. Thank you. Thank yeah. You thanks very for much. the questions. <laughs> so you want to say good night? Bye and good night. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Good night. See you later. Bye. Yes, and as we were um, talking about um, before, before Lauren's questions, uh, um, congratulations and uh, celebratory beer to, to wet the baby's head. Uh, <laughs> I hope everything went well because, you know, crazy situation that we all find ourselves in. Um, what, what um, well, uh, a couple of questions. First of all, 
you know, I won't ask you exactly what country you're in if you're not comfortable sharing that. But oh, you know, that's what, fine. What are... I'm, in, I'm in Austria, so I think most people know that. Okay. What's what's the current situation over there? And um, going into the uh, the pregnancy and everything. Sorry, not the pregnancy, the birth. Um, you know, the current situation with, with regards to lockdown and hospitals uh, must have been a very worrying time. Yeah, um, it was quite stressful at times. Um, you know, there there are some there are some silver linings as well. Um, we <laughs> we enjoy the the new um, situation now and the family time and the time to get to know our baby. And it's it's very relaxed right now because everyone is on lockdown, and so there are no visitors and no. Uh, you know, it can be stressful if a lot of uh, family and friends come visit you, and so that's not happening, and that's that's one of the. The, the benefits of the current situation, but it was quite stress, stressful, especially for my for my wife. Um, she um, had to be in the hospital alone uh, most of the time, and it wasn't clear um, if I could come visit. Um, like the full on lockdown started probably a week before the birth or a couple of days before the birth, and um, the hospital is more akin to a military zone than a hospital uh, when we went in. So um, there were multiple checkpoints where they take your temperature and nobody's allowed in or out, <laughs> basically. Um, so um, no visitors. Um, you can only go to the hospital if you're really sick. Um, like if um, you, you can't just um, come in to uh, have, have something, um, yeah, not life-threatening checked or something like that you know like it, it's it's um they they postponed all the non-essential things and non-essential operations and um yeah i had to drop off my very pregnant wife at the door and um i was not allowed in and the hospital um we were in contact with the hospital staff and the doctors and everything just changed like by the hour so um uh of course the the government bodies were scrambling to try to do the right thing and uh, the hospital was not um clear on what the new policies would be like they were talking about um making exceptions for very close family or for husbands or for um yeah, if if someone passes away, for example, if you can come in to say a last goodbye, because that's that was the situa situation in Italy as well. That's really sad that um, people are dying and you can't even say goodbye. Like you have to say goodbye via WhatsApp or Skype or anything. And uh, they wanted to make an exception for the births as, as well. And I think we got lucky because there um, there was a decision made that um, when as soon as the birth really starts, the fathers are allowed to come in for under very certain circumstances and for a certain amount of time and you are not allowed to leave the room <laughs> so you have to be somewhat in uh, self-quarantine in the hospital as well and so you're not, not allowed to move around freely and um, that's what we ended up uh, doing and so i was able to um, go to the hospital and unfortunately, uh, we had some complications during the birth. So my wife had to do a C-section. And so everything was <laughs> very stressful. But I'm happy to say in the end that everyone is well and everything went well. And the, the baby is healthy and uh, the wife is healthy. And we're really happy that uh, everything worked out in the end. Wow, man. That's nuts. And this is number one, right? Yeah, that's number one. <laughs> wow. Like, sorry you had to um, go through such added stress to what is obviously already a stressful 
mean, it's a roller coaster of emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, yeah. I mean, how how have you felt? You know, since like the the impact of fatherhood. I was talking to Safe about this on uh, on a recent episode, and um, how that you know fundamentally changes you. Yeah, um, I, I listened to the episode with Safe, and I, I like a lot of the things he has to say about it. And um, I think you're taking his uh, courses right now, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I I took the first ones uh, that he did, and uh, so um, yeah, we we discussed the concept of of time preference, obviously, quite a lot as well, and uh, um, all the things that might shift your time preferences. And um, yeah, starting a family is definitely one of those uh, where you think about the future a lot more than um yeah about the present and also you think about your family way more than just uh, about yourself so it's it's not only a shift in in time preference i feel but also um a shift away from hedonistic um selfish impulses um uh, as far as far as i i can tell so far <laughs> so <laughs> you know like it, when you're in your early 20s then that's that's probably the time where um your hedonistic impulses are the strongest and i'm in my early 30s now and i i, I saw the shifting over time and now starting a family uh, things are quite different, obviously. And um, yeah, for me, uh, like I felt, um, I think like most fathers, you, you feel somewhat uh, useless <laughs> during during birth. <laughs> and I felt uh, extra useless and extra powerless because I, I wasn't even allowed to give any emotional support. Um, like I wasn't allowed to, to be with my wife in the last couple of days and they actually they had to induce the pregnancy so she was in hospital for four for four days and um so the the labor period was four days long and th- that was the worst part that i i wasn't able to do anything about it like i was sitting at home and staring at my phone and waiting to uh, get notice from her or the hospital that i could come in or um, obviously we talked but um she was um, yeah, not in the mood for <laughs> conversation most of the time. So <laughs> I, I was I was basically up for uh, four days and, and three nights straight and just uh, waiting for a call. And uh, that that was yeah, um, I felt really useless. That that was my my main emotion at the time. Man, that's um, yeah, seriously stressful stuff. And what. This must have been weighing on your mind so much as well, um, you know, bringing a, a child into these strange times and what does the next 10 to 20 years look like for, for that childhood? Um, and that that will bring us on to your, your latest writing, like the legacy system is crumbling and, and your letter to a Bitcoin friends and foe. But um, how do you think about it at the moment? Hmm. I'm, I'm weirdly optimistic um, and I... I tried to outline that as well in the in the second piece um, in Dear Bitcoiners. Um, I think I mentioned it there that uh, everything is is kind of like a couple of days or a, a couple of we- weeks ago. It it felt like everything is going to shit completely with, <laughs> you know, like the the twenty four hour news cycle got reduced to like a ten minute news cycle, and the, it it felt like the whole world was changing every ten minutes and <laughs> announcement after announcement by various governments and by the Fed as well. Um, it, it was was just insanity like that there were there were like days or weeks of insanity there, there were a couple of days that felt like months <laughs> and everything changed so quickly um but in in general i'm i'm very optimistic um and i think there are reasons to be optimistic i mean um in 
like um i i also get safe's argument that uh um many things are not as well as they could be and arguably uh when we had the time of the gold standard uh, Belle Epoque, that a lot of things uh, were were better and just work differently. But on the other hand, even though we have this high velocity trash economy <laughs> and we have the fiat standard currently, a, a lot of things are, are really um, like noteworthy. And um, there, there are a couple of people that um, studied those positive effects of our global civilization um, their whole life. And uh, I, I'm speaking in general terms of like the, the level of education, uh, the life expectancy, general health of the population, nutrition, stuff like that. Like all of that is really well, also access to information, access to certain technologies that make your life easier, easier, like washing machines and like dishwashers and stuff like that. Like if, if it, it frees up so much time that you actually have time to educate yourself. If you have to go, go down to the river and wash your clothes, clothes by hand, then um, yeah, it, it's, it's not easy to take online courses <laughs> if, if, you know, all your time is, um, is chewed up by just preparing food and washing your clothes and so on. And Hans Rosling, um, he basically put all his life into showing, um, how the world got better and in, in, in what ways it got better. And I actually, even though a lot of people in the Bitcoin community, they, they kind of dismiss his work, but Stephen Pinker wrote an excellent book on that as well. It's called The Better Angels of Our Nature. And uh, I think the subtitle is How Violence Has Declined. And it's, it's quite obvious that um, the times are not as violent as they used to be. You know, like I, I can go, like I can move almost everywhere in the world without being afraid to getting shot or getting stabbed in the street or at a restaurant, you know, like, um, <laughs> it, it wasn't too long ago where people actually, um, when a fight broke out, they stabbed each other to death <laughs> because everyone was carrying <laughs> weapons and knives. And there's a reason why we have butter knives, for example, that, uh, have round edges and you can't actually stab someone with, it, <laughs> with stuff like that. And, and all of that is just my way of trying to say that in general things, really are getting better. And I think there are reasons to be optimistic, but um, we also shouldn't be naive. It, it, it feels like it's obvious to me that we're somewhere at an inflection point right now, especially with the virus. But I felt like even before that, um, it, it's like the internet, it opens up so much potential and having some something like a, a global community or at least the possibility of multiple global communities and some somewhat of a hive mind and a, a global archive and like a, a library of alexandria but accessible for everyone it it um it fills me with a lot of optimism having something like that and arguably it's the best time to to be alive if you want to learn something freely for example like everyone can pretty much learn everything by having access to the internet but also you know we have google and facebook and other just um insanely powerful companies that are filtering the web and um driving narratives and just uh yeah doing their best to also manipulate this global hive mind and that is kind of scary as well and we have to watch out for that as well yeah and do you think we collectively can like do you think you know that there becomes a point where like you know we have the power right like you know <laughs> facebook's got what a billion users just over i mean if that billion users decide right you're you're not serving us now in our best interest they can just change it collectively 
Um, all of it is very complex in a way because you know there are also those people um, that that come up with the arguments that just stop using a smartphone and just stop using those services. Like, I mean, it's it's okay to delete your Facebook account. I did uh, a couple of years ago and uh, out of privacy reasons. And I just think it's a horrible company. But getting rid of Google and Google services, for example, it's arguably more difficult. And also with Facebook, you know, it's nuanced. Um, uh, they have the tracking installed all over the web. And there are many other um, subsidiaries of Facebook that you don't even know are Facebook related and you're using them all the time. <laughs> and so all of those things are, are kind of difficult. And just, for example, not using a smartphone, you're, you're basically... Um, not participating in modern life anymore. Um, you, you can't have a modern job, for example. Most modern jobs require you having a smartphone. And some modern jobs even require having you, uh, like you need to have a Facebook account or you need to have an Instagram account or you need to have WhatsApp installed or whatever. So all of it is nuanced. You can't just really say um, um, we're opting out. That's really difficult for, for many things. Um, you need to be in a very privileged position to be able to do that. And also changing those systems from, from the inside is almost impossible, I would argue. That's, that's something that we see in politics as well. Like changing the systems from the inside, if you can't do it at all, it's a, an insanely slow process. And I, I strongly believe that the, the better way of doing things is building a parallel system that will make the old system obsolete, which is what Bitcoin is doing in the finance world as well. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, this brings us nicely to the, um, the, the, the article you wrote, uh, the blog post, the legacy system is crumbling. Um, and I completely agree with everything you're saying. Uh, in, a, in another job that I do, um, I consult um, with startups and uh, I, I work directly with their sales teams. And, you know, what I, <laughs> I've been saying for the last three or four years is like the legacy business model is dying. Like the legacy sales model is just so dead. Like, you know, long gone are the days of smile and dial mm. and just, um, you know, make another 10 calls to get another one, uh, eight no's to two maybes to one yes. It's mm -hmm. just nonsense. And so when, when I when I saw the the title to your, your piece, I was like very, very excited to read it. And you hit the nail on the head in so many different ways. Um, and I'm going to read one paragraph, which uh, I, I've earmarked. Um, Both our money and our financial system has fundamental issues. Ruled from the top down by unelected decision makers, these structures are not equipped to handle complex problems. Yeah. Um, so uh, um, full disclosure, I was very sleep deprived, like the four days I was up <laughs> that I mentioned before. That's when I wrote this article. So <laughs> it didn't turn out exactly <laughs> like I wanted it to turn out. But I was like, fuck it. I, I'm way too tired to, to redo it. And so, so I published it as it is. Uh, what, I, what I'm basically trying to say there is that... Um, I, I actually, you know, I, I wanted to force myself to stop writing, but I just had to get this off, off of my chest because I'm I'm really worried about the people that just don't understand the internet first and foremost. Like the internet is, is a weird thing, you know, like you, you have kind of, you, you have the, the social media aspect of it, you have the decentralized structures aspect of it, you have like the meme aspect of it. Like it, it embodies so many things that are just very, very different to 
all the old legacy systems. You know, everything that 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 works on the internet is is very different than the old world worked. And I, I love what you said before. You know, like previously you you went from door to door and you were trying to sell printers or whatever, and <laughs> just put on your biggest smile and you get uh, yeah out of fifteen people uh, probably fourteen no's and one maybe. It's just like you said, and and it, uh, online is just everything is very very different. And I I notice. Like I, I like to joke that I grew up online, you know, like I, I, I was just, I got a computer when I was very little and I got online when I was like 10, 11 or something like that. And, uh, you know, it, it was very, very early days, like, you know, bulletin board days and ju just pre-internet days, pretty much like pre-World Wide Web days. And I've always been an, an avid gamer and I, I, I still remember a time where you had like online people and offline people, you know, like there was a, an online world and there were the weird neckbeards that were online. They, they had their own lingo, just like Bitcoin, Bitcoiners right now, you know, it's either they're, they're the Bitcoiners and they're the, yeah, the non, the no coiners and however you want to call them. But, but it's, it's just completely obvious that everything is, is repeating <laughs> in my opinion. You had that for the internet as well. And after that, you had it for gaming as well. You know, like you had the gamers and you had like lead speak and there was, you know, nobody knew what LOL meant. And now people are running around and, and just it's, it's, it's common lingo right now. You know, like your, your grandma will for, forward an, an email with a meme that's like 10 years old and she will write LOL in, in big letters <laughs> in comics sense and it's it's just um i'm just worried about the people that are still stuck in the legacy system that they won't even be able to understand what's going on and they won't be able to to cope uh with the changes that are coming and i i see just the world accelerating in general like everything is changing so quickly like almost 10 years ago we had no smartphones like the iphone is now 11 or 12 years old something like that and just watch what happened to the world in those in this decade it's like from airbnb to even, even like the mating patterns of people changed drastically just because of online dating and most drastically because of tinder you know like it's one app and it changed the the continuation of the human genome completely and if you don't understand how tinder works and how how all those tiny little things work then you just won't be able to understand the world that's my opinion and i see that all the time you know like my my parents they are like 70 and i i talk to uh, not only my parents uh, but also the parents of my wife and uh, of of uh, other friends and so on and and those are the people like um most of them they have no idea how the internet works or what it is <laughs> or <laughs> that you can't really shut it down in a meaningful way and um i'm having these conversations over and over again you know like ah all your funny internet thing is um like they might be interesting right now but just wait another two or three years and the internet won't really exist anymore and you you will ha have to get another hobby you know <laughs> and <laughs> it's 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 just insane to me that um we still um, yeah, live in a world where so so many people um, they don't they don't use any online services, for example, and they walk to the bank every every month to see if their money is really there. And they're they're just people that walk to the bank teller and, and they will get their pension money and they will just um, pay it back into the bank as well. They were just there at the bank to check if the money is still there. And um, if you're operating on, on on that level, then I think it will just be a very confusing uh, 10 years that are coming up. <laughs> Completely agree. And I see it 
in my own parents and in my in my wife's um, parents as well. The exact thing you're talking about, you know, that to to think that the people out there that you know still believe the internet is a fad, and like you know, it's going to um, oh, we'll all get back to normal one day, <laughs> and the internet will go away. It'll just it's like goddamn, but there's just no convincing them, and <laughs> there's no way to to help them either because they're just so shut down to, you know, even like your, your example of internet banking, it's like this now is like literally two or three clicks and they're still fighting it. And I <laughs> cannot for the life of me figure out why, but um, it, it's probably a lot of fear, a lot of fear around um, getting it wrong and uh, just being brought up for so many years in, in the system. Yeah, it's I, I think I think it's even deeper than that. Like it's I mean, fear fear is probably right because fear is very deeply rooted in the human brain. But I think, you know, if if you grew up uh, and have many decades of indoctrination of how things work and how systems work and how just the world operates, um it's so deeply ingrained in your brain that you you can't even change it, you know? Like it's it's just um like you know, when you're driving your car, you're not thinking about all the movements you make. It's it's just a habit, and you can't even you you couldn't do it any other way. And I think that's how most um, uh, where most of the problem lies, because they they just that their brains are so conditioned that they can't even think of any other way of of doing things. And the only thing that that gives me hope, I mean, it's not the only thing, but what gives me hope is that um, we we see this repeated in history over and over again. Like um, when writing was introduced, for example, all the philosophers, they they said, you know, um, you should never read anything. You should, you can only learn something if it is through the spoken word told by you, by your teacher, you know, and uh, just... Writing had the same problem as newer technologies like the internet and Bitcoin have right now, and uh, we we saw it over and over and over again. You know, we saw it for headphones, for example, like um, all all the the fad around headphones that you can't hear the traffic coming and you will die if you have headphones on. I still remember that, and <laughs> and and like there there are so many examples of that. It's 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 kind of insane, and and uh, we saw it also for mobile phones, and uh, now we see it for smartphones. You know, it's it's always the um, yeah, just not understanding that things simply change and everything has kind of upsides and downsides and uh, you just can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And that's true for the internet as well. You know, it has it has a lot of um, dark sides as well, the internet. But in general, I believe that a, a global interconnected system that is used to communicate globally instantly is a necessity for the next step of civilization in a way and even if the internet is truly a fad and our parents are, are right <laughs> it will be replaced by a better technology that serves the same purpose and um yeah for me it's obvious as well that um a system like that needs a way to transfer value which brings us back to to bitcoin again and that's the, the as, as some people say, you know, it's 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 like the the next the next level up of the internet. It's like the next obvious step of the internet, and I'm really excited about that. Absolutely, and this is where things are going to start moving really quickly, like super quickly. Um, you know, if you, if you think we've taken 20, 25 years to get where we are now on the internet, um, and this will bring us back to exponentials, which we were talking about before um, before we started recording. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
Because you and I had um, exchanged messages via DM and um, one of those um, messages that caught my eye, which I want to d- dive into, um, was I studied exponential trends and how they lead to tipping points my whole adult life. And watching all this unfold feels like a bad, weird, surreal dream. So that <laughs> brings us nicely to what we're talking about. Like, you know, I believe this, this quarantine period and what we're coming into this, um, this I mean, there is no normal anymore. Um, things are going to get built from the ground up in many different sectors, in many different ways. And we are going to see some exponential growth and um, in certain areas. Uh, we've already seen what's been going on with the coronavirus um, and everybody talking about the exponential growth of that. And many people trying to educate us around the fact that our brains don't work that way and we generally can't understand them. Um could you talk a little bit more about um, like exponential trends and uh, the way that you have studied them and the way that you understand them and how we might be able to, um, you know, uh, understand them a little bit more? Yeah, um, well, I, I studied them mostly in relation to network effects and uh, in relation to computer science and uh, all the underlying technology that powers our um, computers nowadays. So um, we have obvious price performance trends that are exponential and that are uh, most people know it as Moore's law that um, yeah every um, I don't know even how long the time span is I think it's every uh, 18 months or something like that um, the um, the processing power used to double we kind of hit the end of that uh, very recently because we uh, we're entering the realm of quantum weirdness with uh, a semiconductor technology getting so small that you have uh, you, you start to have some weird um, quantum tunneling effects that electrons don't stay in their lanes but they will jump <laughs> randomly to some other lanes and you ha- you have to correct for that um, after the fact and so we are hitting some physical limits there I mean there's still there's still some room at the bottom um, uh, like Richard Feynman used to say there's plenty of room at the bottom like um, <laughs> uh, we humans we are so ma- uh, macroscopic <laughs> like we're, we're uh, compared to atomic and subatomic particles were so insanely big. Um, Richard Feynman always used to say there's plenty of room at the bottom so um, we can build downwards and he was a, a huge proponent proponent of computation as well and he was one of the early pioneers of doing distributed computing as well and, and building really small computers and really small motors and stuff like that. So I'm, um, I'm very optimistic in that regard as well. I think um, there is a lot of um, science and engineering to be done in the, in the very microscopic realm but in in terms of exponentials i think it's what you said is is exactly right our human brains are just not wired to understand exponentials like um our our brains just work in a linear fashion and exponentials are very weird like that that in the beginning they look like linear trends but um very quickly it becomes obvious that (laughs) something weird is going on and um uh, there are some thought experiments that that illustrate this very nicely and I, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a, a riddle right now okay because that's that's one of the, the funnest riddles maybe you can you can ask your kids as well it's 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 a brain teaser imagine you have a you have a pond and there are lilies on the pond and every day the lilies they they double so at, at first the, the sea is empty and then you have one lily then you have two and you have four and so on and after a hundred days the pond is full fully covered with lilies at what day is the pond half full And it's not a trick question, you know, it's just 
It's just visualizing you, you exponential growth. You think 50 growth. days. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think that, but that's, that's incorrect. <laughs> you can you take your time because you can cut out the thinking time. You know, that's the benefit of recording podcasts. Okay. <laughs> 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 so, so it every, takes 100, 100 days to have the pond full of lilies. Yeah. And it doubles so you start every with day. zero lilies, and after a hundred days, it's it's completely like totally covered. Yeah, I'll give at you a hint. Point, at what point is the halfway point? Is is what yeah, you're asking? At, at what day is it half full? Yeah. At what day is it half full? Yeah. I can give you a hint, and it's easier. Uh huh. Try to go backwards in time. Start with the full lake. Okay. My dumbass brain just keeps fixating on fifty. Yeah, yeah, that's what all brains do. That's what I'm. That's the... <laughs> I just can't. I cannot get past. I cannot get past fifty. <clears throat> it will be very obvious in hindsight. You're gonna have to put me at my misery now. <laughs> so it will be the 99th day. It's one day before the hundredth day because it doubles every time. So if it's, if you if you if it's full at the hundredth day, then it will be half full one day before. And it will be 25% full one Holy day before that. Holy crap, okay. of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's very obvious. But but it's it's I, I love this example wonder, because it's so easy. I wonder easy. how many <laughs> listeners are screaming at like the thing, like, you dumbass, like, how did you not no, get no, that? No, 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 that's, that's, that's like, you know, like um, most people say, say like 50 days because it's just an intuitive uh, answer. But some people also know that's not right and they try to guess and they will say something like, you know, like 80 days or something, you know, <laughs> they will come up with something. But it's, it's, um, it, it's a very nice example to illustrate how counterintuitive exponential growth is. And it's, it's just true for everything. Like if you, for example, um, um, full disclosure, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Elon Musk and getting off this planet and, uh, um, you know, like having a backup planet and uh, um, colonizing Mars and all that, like uh, all of that is great. But those people that say we can solve our um, exponential growth problems that way, they have no idea what they're talking about. Because if you're worried that the Earth is getting full, you will have one day and then you need another earth <laughs> you know like if the exponential trend keeps on going there's like there's n no way of winning that <laughs> and and that that, that was also to bring it back to to bitcoin um that was what what drove me nuts with the uh, block size debate because increasing the block size is a linear linear solution uh, to an exponential problem and that, that just never works you know it's 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 um yeah it's it's really maddening to um uh yeah here otherwise smart people make those mistakes over and over again and that's just true in general like uh, any exponential problem can't have a linear solution it's it's just it, it just doesn't make sense at all and that brings me back to to the piece i wrote as well um i i also believe that every complex problem can't have a top-down solution no matter whether whether it's very simple or a very complex solution you know and i i think i wrote in the article you um that's how you get from a mosquito problem to a snake problem really quickly because it, it becomes obvious if you use biological metaphors and if you imagine an island and let's say the island has a mosquito problem you might think that it, it's a good idea to introduce frogs <laughs> to just get rid of the mosquitoes but then you have you'll have an island with a frog problem and what do you do to get rid of the frogs you'll introduce snakes <laughs> that's just how how you how you land in hell really quickly and i feel um most of our uh, political leaders they're dealing with the world in that way and obviously the fed is dealing with the world in that way as well it's just um 
yeah, trying to solve complex issues that are, in my opinion, best solved organically, for example, by the free market and free market forces. And they are trying to force these solutions with all, kind of, all kinds of regulations and all kinds of top-down, um, yeah, um, top-down regulations that they think are the smart thing to do. And that's, uh, the, for complex problems, I think um, that's just a, a, a bad approach. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? It, if we if we just like hone in on that that kind of um, term of language there, top down unelected bureaucrats making decisions, we hear this a lot uh, memed around um, uh, Bitcoin, Twitter, and that. But could you explain exactly uh, to people? Because again, if I look at my parents and and that generation, they believe like the smartest people are in governmental positions because they are the smartest people um whereas really what's happened is whoever has won the vote has got in and then just hires their cronies is that what we're talking about when we're talking about top-down unelected bureaucrats making decisions for the um for, for everyone else yeah i, I mean if you, if you stick with the us for example uh, nobody who is in charge at the Federal Reserve was elected. You know, like um, um, that's that it's it's kind of it's kind of shocking because it's it's such a powerful position and it's 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 not even only powerful in the U.S. sense because everything that happens to the dollar has global repercussions. So all the other countries are kind of bound to the dollar and the monetary policy that the Fed decides, um, like. You know, since since it's the the global reserve currency currently, everyone has to kind of um, yeah deal with the things that are decided there, and those are just unelected leaders. I mean, they are leading the monetary policy of the world, and um, what you said, I think, is is spot on. Um, that uh, the fact that um, yeah, many people think that the smartest people. <laughs> they rise to the top in politics but um just a, a very quick glance at politics will show you that this is simply not true and it, it doesn't really matter what kind of country you focus on um you need to have a very a, a very curious personality um curious in the <laughs> in, in the sense of um yeah you, you almost need to be a psychopath to go into politics and you need to to be power hungry you 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 you're also probably not very empathic because otherwise you you wouldn't rise to the top um um very quickly you you kind of need to be a, an elbows dirty playing kind of guy or girl and uh, need to be very power hungry and extremely ambitious and ambitious for in my opinion the wrong reasons and uh, well we see that over and over again that uh, the smart people they go into business or they, they do other things they don't go into politics and that's just the way how the incentives are set up that's the way how our political system is set up and i i'm not saying that that um there is necessarily an obvious better way to do things but it's i think it's also helpful to just know the shortcomings of the current system you know there's this quote as well that um the democracy is obviously the, the worst system of governance except for all the others that have been tried before it and uh, that resonates with me very well <laughs> yes yeah no it's mad right okay um back to back to your piece um that, that you wrote the article a new type of thinking 
is what you um, is what you're saying we need, you know, in a post virus world, and and you go on to say the tools of the of the post virus world need to be transparent, open, and freedom enabling. Gatekeepers, censors, and arbitrary restrictions won't help us to solve the problems we are facing. They will only make things worse. So. With what we just discussed in mind, like uh, the the current political system, that doesn't gel with a new type of thinking. So, what, <laughs> what do you see happening? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good question. When when I wrote that, I, I didn't necessarily think of of politics per se. I I thought more about software since I come from the software world. Mm-hmm. And what I think is is really interesting to observe is that um, to me it's obvious that. Um, Linux won, you know, like 10 or 15 years ago, there was a the huge war going on between Linux and, and Windows. And uh, obviously some people think it's it's still going on, but for me, it's very obvious that, that Linux won, you know, and it's, 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 I think it won for very, um, for, for reasons that, that might not be obvious to everyone, but I, I think it won because it is open and transparent and it is an open system. And I think that in the long run, open systems will win. And um, closed systems, they might have the upper hand in, in the short term, like Windows did back in the day. And, um, you know, like also iPhone versus Android, for example, you know, like uh, it's it's very easy to, to build something very quickly in a closed system and uh, also iterate quickly and also um, focus on certain things um, and just, um, yeah, do something... Um, in a more efficient manner, but it's also obvious that closed systems always die. And that's just true in general, you know, like um, every company went bankrupt at some point, like it, no matter how big the company in it, probably in a hundred years, we'll have a different set of companies on earth. The same is true for also nation states and, and, and other things. The same is true for, for fiat currencies and gold, for example, if we stay with money is an open system, everyone can just pick it up from the ground and it, it won't perish. It won't go away. And Bitcoin is the same way. And also ideas, for example, are open systems that don't go away. That's why the Bible still exists. You know, the Bible is way, way older than, and other texts, uh, especially religious texts as well. And also nature, is like biology is an open system and um, Linux as opposed to many other software systems is an open system and it can't really die so (laughs) on a long enough time scale it will win by default (laughs) and I think that's true for Bitcoin as well you know it's it's just very hard to get rid of an idea and it's very hard to get rid of of an open system that is just uh, I mean we use all those adjectives you know like permissionless and so on and so forth they 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 they, the, the more I use them, the more they, they become meaningless to me. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just an extension of other properties. It's, it's the fact that it's an open system makes it permissionless by default. Like otherwise it wouldn't be open. You know, it's, <laughs> everyone has the power to, to, um, to clone Linux, for example, and, uh, you can build your own kernel, you can build your own computer with it. You can write your own software, you can do whatever you want with it and you can improve it. You can improve it for yourself. You can improve it for the community. You can, you you can do whatever you want with it. And that's, that's the beauty of it. And that's the power of it. But that also makes it very inefficient. You know, like we have, I don't know, probably 10,000 different, uh, Linux distributions and we don't have one nicely packaged, uh, software system that you get with your MacBook, for example. And, uh, but make no mistake. You know, underneath the MacBook, a Linux system is running. Like underneath every every other Android phone, like every Android phone, a Linux system is running. And the the 
open permissionless nature of Linux uh, makes it it's what makes it so powerful. And now the whole internet basically is run by Linux systems. Like uh, almost every router and all the um, internet infrastructure, every server, every um, like the, the 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 meat and the matter of of the internet is. Uh, it's running on on Linux systems, and granted, there are still some other systems, and and that's good. You know, like competition is good, and there are still like, like Microsoft servers and and other things. But in general, open systems just win, and that's that's what I was thinking of when when I wrote that. And I think that is just um, true in in general that the more open a system, the more decentralized it gets, um, because everyone can do with it what you want, and. And I think you can see that also in 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 politics in a way. Like um, if you have very very complex problems, the best way to tackle it is to to split it up and try different things. And if you have small nation states, for example, or the U.S. is a very good example. If you have on on the state level, they they handle things differently, so they come up with different solutions to all kinds of problems. And uh, in my opinion, it 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 works better than having one set of rules for the whole United States, for everything. Also because just the, the culture is different in different states and maybe the climate is different in different states and they have they face different problems. And so um, it, that's, that's the way that I, I think about these things. If you have a very complex problem, it's best to, to tackle it in small iterative um, yeah, solution loops, so to speak. So that uh, just like biology does it, you know, you, you find your niche, you evolve, you you kind of evolve the best solution and everything that doesn't work dies off naturally and that's the way it should be. And you listed a few things, a few examples of, of things that you think are going to um, to stand out in the future over the next um, coming years. Um, you know, Bitcoin being obvious obvious example, um, the internet naturally is going to um, carry on growing and uh, becoming more decentralized. Social media, citizen journalism, memes and misinformation. I want to come back to that actually. Um, but one, and then you went on um, encryption, open hardware, biohacking, DIY biology. Um, but one really like um, caught my eye, and I've been thinking about it a lot the last uh, six weeks or so. Three um, D printing. Now. The 3D printing thing sticks out to, in my mind because of what was going on in the Italian hospitals, I think, where they were running low on the uh, the valves for uh, respirators, I think. And they, um, and some clever people just figured out how to 3D print them, and voila, you have on-site manufacturing, completely decentralized. And I was like, man, this this is this is incredible. Like if you could have a 3D printing network completely decentralized, anybody can print what they want from, you know, you could get the um, the design and the exact materials that you need from like a decentralized node system that has um, uh, like a backed up the proof of work behind the, um, the design and the engineering and the materials that need to be um, purchased to go into whatever it is you're building. And you've just completely decentralized and localized whatever you need. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the basic idea, and I think that's the, the beauty of it. I think um, uh, you know you, you don't necessarily uh, uh, need to go 
that far to to decentralize absolutely everything. But the beauty of 3D printing is that you can decentralize what matters, you know? Like you can, um, to stick with this example, you can produce these uh, ventilation valves uh, at the place where you need them. So you don't need to manufacture them in, in another country or in, in, in a factory far away and ship them and so on. And you, you can um, just produce them very cheaply, very easily where you need it. And you can just... Um, do the distribution digitally of the digital, like the 3D model files <laughs> until you hit the endpoint, which is the 3D printer. And so all the distribution is done electronically already. And then it just prints and that's it. Just like you print documents and so on. You know, it wouldn't make sense to to print them out in, in one place in the US and uh, mail them everywhere. Uh, I mean, that's how we used to do it. <laughs> but uh, that's that's the beauty of 3D printing. And also what I think is very important about it, and we see that a lot now uh, also with 3D printing masks for the virus and um, other things, that um, whenever um, something like that is open and out in the open, like the 3D files are open as well. Everyone can improve up upon them. Everyone can distribute them. Like you don't have to log into a system and a central server and pay for the file and you can only use it on your, with your account and your system. You know, like there, there's a huge difference um, between just sharing files online and using a system uh, like Netflix, for example, or like iTunes, you know, that's like the, the, the permission systems they will always lose out in the end, even though it's they are very good business models right now. You know, it's just Netflix won't exist in like 200 years, but sharing digital files in general will still exist. BitTorrent will probably still exist in 200 years, <laughs> even if it's just in a museum. But Netflix probably will be dead. <laughs> so, so, so that's 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 um, I think worthy to to think about it very deeply because um, the 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 power of these kind of technologies is that you actually have zero marginal costs, for example, for the, um, for the 3D, 3D printing stuff. Uh, 3D printing this valve that they wrote about in the news, I think uh, the production cost of that was a couple of cents. And the, I mean, you just you just need to um, you, you just need to pay for the filament that you use. You know, it's like the the ink of the 3D printer. And th this is a couple of cents. It's like ten cents or something like that. And the the company that is actually producing those valves for those machines commercially, I think they're like thousand five hundred dollars or something outrageous like that and they are actually suing the people that built the 3d files and they actually <laughs> you know the <laughs> saved lives by modeling and 3d printing those kind of things and the, and um you know that's it's a feature not a bug it's a feature that producing those kind of things costs nothing and the same is true for open source software for example you know that the, the um the fact that open open source software by definition is free I mean, you know, you, you can still sell open source software and you can, um, there are business models around that as well. But just in general, if you release something out in the open, everyone can take it. And since it's digital, you can just replicate it at zero cost. That's a feature. It's not a bug. And I, I believe that um, our future systems have to, to build upon this fact of the world that copying digital information it is and always will be free. And the only thing where that's not true is Bitcoin. And that's also one of the reasons why it's so damn fascinating because Bitcoin found a very clever mechanism of um, boxing in information and just, um, yeah, sol solving the, you know, like solving the double spend problem. But it, it, in general, what Bitcoin does is it, it, um, it found a very, very clever mechanism to um, 
stop information from being copyable so to speak and 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 that's a very weird thing because it's it's not true for any other information any other digital information you can copy at will and you can do so because computers are copying machines you can do it at zero marginal cost it it doesn't co cost you anything pretty much it doesn't matter how big the file is you know like if if you have the lord of the rings trilogy on your hard disk and you press ctrl c and ctrl v then it's copied and <laughs> you just <laughs> copied you know the the life's work of i don't know how many people work with this movie probably 10,000 people <laughs> and and that's just the way that the world works you know it's it's a it's a, a funny fact about digital information that you can copy it perfectly and it it's not very expensive to do so and this just changes everything going forward like every Every sector gets disrupted, and we, yeah, to stick with the example of the the, the valve being um, manufactured in in Italy, this cripple like, like we don't need a supply chain anymore. We don't need this monopolistic factory wherever in the world that is making these things and uh, and paying thousands of times over the odds for these. And whatever it is, you know, whether it's a car part or you know, absolutely anything, or or a, or a washer for a tap or something that you end up paying thousands percent of more, it can just be—it's mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah, it is, and and that's 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 the end game um, as as far as many futurologists predict. But uh, to be fair, three um, D printers—they they are not as um, yeah. <laughs> like we, I, it feels to me like we are at the um, we have the first version or maybe the second version now of 3D printers and the reason behind that is interesting as well it's it's not that it's um, especially difficult to build a 3D printer it's just that um, they were locked up under um, various patents and just additive manufacturing um, was patented and um, I think the, the patent ran out a couple of years ago and that's where the first commercial 3D printers started popping up and now we see of course uh, all kinds of um, different 3D printers uh, using all kinds of different materials and you know, they come now in all shapes and sizes and you have consumer grade products and you have industrial grade products and you can you can do a lot with it I, like I, I wouldn't go as far as um, uh, to say that it it dissolves the supply chain completely because some things um, will turn out to be very difficult to 3D print in, in any case. Even though, you know, like if you, if you want to look into that, there are some really fancy 3D printing technologies like printing biological matter, for example, like printing stem cells, printing lungs, <laughs> printing hearts, stuff like that. So it, it's also applicable to to uh, biotech and biomedicine and um, uh, granted this is still everything I'm, I'm listing here is still in very early steps it's just um, uh, I think it's helpful to to know these things and, and think about those things because it shows you where where things are headed and what I what I um, find so so frustrating is that a lot of people simply don't know these things and thus also uh, lack a little bit of imagination when it comes to those things. And uh, this is not only true for 3D printing, this is true for just, um, yeah, upcoming technologies in general, and also just, yeah, regular old software, internet technology in general as well. Like uh, a lot of people um, don't know how, how much um, amazing free software is out there. For example, like free and open source software, you can, you can, you, you don't need to um, use the golden cage of uh, Apple, and you don't need to 
use Microsoft products necessarily and uh, have another not cage that is not as golden probably um you know they're free and and um permissive alternatives exist and uh i would urge everyone to look into that i mean i know i'm i'm, I'm preaching to the choir here um <laughs> bitcoiners are into open source software but it just drives me mad that a lot of companies and a lot of quote-unquote legacy people um have no experience with this world whatsoever i guess the question we all want to know is can 3d printers print cash <laughs> I am pretty sure a, a good old school 2D printer would suffice for that. Come on, where's the meme? Where's the meme, people? 3D printer, go. <laughs> if you go to fed.com, you can get the um, all the ingredients you need to, to download and print your own fiat currencies. Uh, okay, well, let, let's get on to um, Dear Bitcoiners. Um, your your open letter style um, to to friends and foes, and um, what drove you to to write that, and what is the what is the ultimate message that you're you're trying to to get across to to readers? Hmm, that's a good question. What 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 drove me to write it? Um, it's and I I was basically you know like <laughs> I, I I try to um, use Twitter less and less because it, it just eats you up and eats your soul. You know, as much as I love Bitcoin Twitter, it's, it's, it's very addictive and it's um, also very unproductive at times, just <laughs> getting tangled up in, in um, yeah, in, in the current memes and tragedies of Bitcoin Twitter. Um, but uh, what, actually, um, what actually drove me to write it is that um, since the, the, perfect storm was brewing uh, or is still brewing for Bitcoin. And there are so many amazing people in Bitcoin, even though, you know, I, I disagree with a lot of Bitcoiners on various topics, but I think on Bitcoin, most Bitcoiners agree on most things. You know, we come back to the shelling point that we discussed in the in the very beginning. I think, you know, like the uh, just as all, all the nodes agree on a certain set of consensus rules, uh, I think most Bitcoiners agree on most things when it comes to Bitcoin. For example, the, the supply cap and um, some other, like the soul, what is the soul of Bitcoin? That's how I phrase it most of the time. And um, it, it's, it's, it's so funny because... Um, um, a lot of Bitcoiners have very strong personalities and have very strong views as well, but um, they're very um, just contrarian by nature as well. And they come from very different backgrounds. So you have religious fanatics like Luke Dasher, for example, and you have um, uh, very um, anarcho-capitalist libertarians, and you also have um, some socialists in Bitcoin, you know, like uh, very far left-leaning people. And um, uh, like, I, I know some German people that, that, um, that fit this um, description. And it's, it's just interesting that Bitcoiners, uh, they, <laughs> they will fight about almost anything to the death. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just trying to to write an optimistic letter to 
to everyone who might read it that when it comes to Bitcoin, I think we got this. You know, we got the right people and they have the right mindset. And I think we got the right technology. I think Bitcoin is already fine as it is, but it, it gets better every every day. And every day that uh, blocks are coming in, um, the Bitcoin network is perfectly fine and everything else is just noise. And I, I want to uh, just, I wanted to focus on that and also that I think we have a lot of reason for optimism as well. Like I would be very, very pessimistic if we wouldn't have Bitcoin and we, we are facing now this this global crisis and what uh, inevitably will follow is a, is a, a global financial crisis and uh, possibly a financial meltdown, but we'll see about that. And yeah, we have a lot of reasons to, to be optimistic about it. And as I wrote in the letter as well, I, I can't think of a better group of people um, you know, like full hearts and very strong opinions and very contrarian people, very critical thinkers, also very critical of themselves. And just there's so many people that don't take shit from from anyone that I can't think of a better set of people to to fight this war that we are currently in with. What do you think is missing? What is there? What would you like to see more of in the blend of Bitcoin? Um. Hmm. I'm I'm very tempted to say that there's nothing missing. We just need time. Just just as with Linux, you know, Linux was fine as it was like ten years ago. It just it just or like even twenty years ago, you know, it, it just takes time to evolve. It takes time to to win. It takes mm. the, it, it it takes some time for the game to play out. And I think uh, Bitcoin has the best cards. And um, I think just compared to the to to the fiat system, for example, I think the 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 yeah, the structural problems of the fiat legacy system, they are so obvious and they get more obvious by the day. And there, is, there are so many people that write about that separately from Bitcoin. You know, you have macroeconomists that, that, are, that will tell you the same things that Bitcoiners are telling you, that the system is about to crumble and it's already crumbling and it started with the great financial crisis. And it's, it's just a continuation of that. And um, it's, it's just... Um, yeah, it's just obvious to me that um, in the long run, Bitcoin will win uh, against all the other shitcoins and against fiat currencies, of course, as well. So we just need time. Do you believe what's going on right now with, with everybody in lockdown and um, going through this um, very, very strange period in history that um, we'll look back in 20, 30, 40 years and we'll be able to pinpoint this period of time as one of the more critical points at which more and more people started just asking questions about the whole system in general? Hmm. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, I'd, I'd love to think that that's the case, but um, I know so many people that just, yeah, live life as per usual and uh, don't think about anything critically and uh, are already looking forward when the pause button is hit again and just the movie continues as it did before, even though I think it won't really be possible to just <laughs> unpause the current situation and uh, have everything continue as it did before. But on the other hand, you know, like um, we had similar situations like that be before and uh, people are very quick to forget and things um, return to normal very, very quickly. And in the US, for example, um, the most recent example is 9-11, where a lot of people said air travel in the US will change completely and we we 
will do things very differently and people just won't fly as often anymore and so on. And it took probably like six months or something. And then everything was back to normal in that regard. So I'm, I'm not sure if uh, like I, I would really like to think that a lot of things will change and maybe some things will change. Um, uh, for example, as, as you were saying on the pod as well, I think the just the, the, the general opinion of homeschooling, for example, might be shifting. And you, you don't need to shift um, public opinion by a lot for things to change a lot. Uh, one example of that is, um, for example, gay marriage and legalization of marijuana and, and other uh, softer drugs. Um, if just a certain percentage of the population change their idea about those things a little bit, we might have a situation where laws change completely and just uh, the, stance, the official narrative of it changes completely. And we might see effects of like that um, happening also for remote work, for example. It's an obvious example. Everyone is forced to work remotely right now. And so uh, some companies just might not be going back and some people just might not be going back um on a more pessimistic note i think a lot of things will change for um certain strata of the population uh, if you have it like I, I i'm sure there are some jobs that will just disappear because of this crisis that you will lose your job right now and you will not be able to get another job and maybe you're like you have 10 years to your pension and you just don't have the time or the resources to retrain and do something else. So I think that will be a big change as well. We see we see a lot of that. Uh, and it, it might not only be um, um, older people, like it, it might also be that um, the, the education you, you chose was in a field that's just turns out to not be relevant anymore. And if we really go into a depression, which is very likely, I think, then it your whole, your whole um, Everything you did in the last 15 years in terms of education will be completely irrelevant. <laughs> you know, I'm just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, um, I don't want, I won't name any names. Like I, I won't pick any examples, but I th I'm sure everyone can think of some bullshit education or bullshit job that might fall away and people will just have to figure out what they are going to do in the next 10 years or so. Buy Bitcoin. <laughs> Always, always. <laughs> that that will be that will be basically my next piece. So, um, when when I got the idea of writing those uh, more or less open letters, I thought of uh, three groups of people that I I would like to address. And and I don't even care if if, if someone reads it, you know. Like for the first piece was dear legacy people, and I don't even care if legacy people will read it they probably won't you know i just want to get those ideas out there that people talk about it um and just to to sharpen our collective tools and our collective ways of of thinking about those things the second one was dear bitcoiners um which was very easy for me to write and also you know it's it's not it's not um very needed it was just you know a a, a a, a little boost of morale <laughs> and the third one which i'm currently writing right now um is dear friends and dear family and i want to have one piece that i can just send to friends and family and i have so many friends that i never talked uh um like they, they kind of know that i'm into bitcoin and so on but I, I try to separate my two lives in a way because just Talking about Bitcoin with normies is almost impossible. So I just stopped doing it. And I stopped doing that like three three years ago. Or so I stopped talking about Bitcoin with most of my normie friends because it's just a very um, cumbersome process. And uh, you, you don't 
you, you never know where to start. And most people are bored after two sentences and most people just don't care. And so I, I just want to write something um, and, and that, that weighs really heavy on my mind because um, as, as, as weird and stupid and religious as this may sound, you know, I want to save them for the economic hereafter <laughs> because I think I'm convinced that things will change. I can't tell you if it will be in the next six months or in the next six years or in the next 12 years, but in, in, in this time horizon, I think things will change dramatically. And I think the smart thing to do is to buy Bitcoin or just to start stacking sets. And I want to write a piece and basically send it to everyone just to have the peace of mind that I <laughs> I can look back in five years and and I can say I did my part. Like I quote unquote warned everyone, even though it, it shouldn't be a warning. It should just, just, you know, start stacking sets right now. Just don't think about it. You don't need to know what it means. You don't need to know anything about Bitcoin. You don't need to know anything about sound money. All of that will come. Just please start now. It's 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 similar to just please stop smoking right now. You know, you, you don't have to understand the medicine behind it. You don't have to understand. You don't have to know anything about cancer. You just just please trust me on this and please start stacking sets right now. And and if I'm wrong, then just choose an amount that, <laughs> you know, that that you're happy to to hit me over the head with if i'm wrong <laughs> maybe you can kill two birds with one stone you know stop smoking and put your cigarette money into bitcoin and just <laughs> just uh, give up one one bad habit and start a good habit and um yeah that's that's what my next piece will be about because i think it um it's 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 kind of insane how how perfect the storm is right now and it's also insane how um, advantage just normal people are because um, as as just a regular show, if you put like twenty bucks a week into Bitcoin, you're way ahead of the curve and you're way ahead of all the institutions because the inst institutions can't can't even get in in a big way. They can't really buy up all the supply. It's one of the it's it's the only asset pretty much in the world where where um, yeah the little guy has a head start and uh, this head start will continue to to be there, you know, because every, every big player that wants to go in, like if a nation state wants to get into Bitcoin, then it will move the price astronomically. And so that this really hasn't happened yet. And uh, yeah, I, I, I hope to write something uh, meaningful and intelligent, uh, even though I, I will probably be mostly sleep deprived in the next couple of days, but I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> well, I look forward to it. And I've used the same kind of analogy before, like, you know, when, when I try and tell people that like, this is the first time in history, in our lifetime, in probably human history, that we can get in on the ground floor of a financial asset before a government, before, a, um, you know, a, a hedge fund before a, a pension fund before a sovereign state fund whatever you want to call them this is it this is our shot this is it's not going to come around again mm. and yeah isn't isn't that insane? it really is <laughs> and look you know i don't know whether you you take this on board much but um whatever you write whenever you write and whenever you put this content out there it will change someone's life. Do you, you, you do understand that whether it, whether or not it's one of your friends or oh, your yeah, family, yeah, yeah. it will hit someone. Oh yeah, yeah. I and and that's that's why I keep doing it. Like that's that's so insanely motivating. And I, um, like I'm, 
Yeah, I don't know. I I started writing about Bitcoin just because I had to. It kind of it kind of um, I overflowed with Bitcoin information, and I just had to find a place where to put it. But the amount of people over the years that reached out to me and that 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 told me that you know it really changed their life, the the stuff that I wrote, and uh, like there are so many people that reached out to me that told me they got into Bitcoin because they read a piece of mine or, the, or they, they've read 21 lessons. And it's, 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 it's really insane how, uh, again, coming back to our, our previous conversation about, you know, the, the, the magic that is the internet, the global communication network. Like I'm just sitting in my room, moving my fingers and um, I'm, I'm reaching thousands and ten, tens of thousands of people with it. And, and it, it's kind of insane to think about it. Like uh, I, I, I haven't come to terms with that yet because I'm, I'm just a, a normal guy. And in, in my normal life, I don't talk about Bitcoin that much because, you know, otherwise my wife would leave me, you know, you know, the problem. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, so my two lives are very separated and uh, it, it's, it's kind of weird that I, I, I got, um, yeah, kind of well-known or at least a well-known writer in the, in the Bitcoin space. And a lot of people um, actually read my stuff. And uh, it, what's also weird is that I, I don't, I don't like, um, yeah, I don't like any growth hacking or tracking or anything like that. So uh, in, in regards to 21 lessons and uh, uh, the stuff that I put on, on my page, I don't have any tracking at all. So I, the, only, the only feedback that I get is people actually reaching out to me on Twitter. And that's always like, that, that's the best feedback that you can get. That's, it's really heartwarming. And uh, yeah, I, that's, I think also the reason why it will be very, very hard for me to stop writing about Bitcoin because um, uh, obviously it has an impact on, on other people. And that's really nice to see. Well, you heard it here, listeners. Um, reach out to Atdojiji on, on Twitter and let him know um, how, how some of his uh, writing might have changed your lives. He'd love to hear about it. Um, with that, closing question. Um, you, you, you know what it generally is, I'm sure by now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try and change it up a little bit. Uh, if you could have one person read your book, 21 Lessons, and then shill that to their whole audience, uh, who would that be and why? <laughs> now again I, I i will say the first thing that that came to my mind again and i think someone else gave that answer on your pod as well i think it will be jordan peterson i i think um uh i think it it, it would be but mainly because I would be very interested in what he has to say about about uh, my book and the way I, I wrote it. And uh, yeah, he obviously has a very large audience and a large following as well, so so it wouldn't hurt. And uh, on that note, um, someone on Twitter, I think it was Brandon Quidem, but I'm, I'm not sure anymore, uh, asked what kind of what kind of communities have a large overlap with Bitcoin, but they don't know it yet. And my answer was um, Choco Willink and Jordan Peterson. Like they have two very big communities. Um, uh, extreme ownership is is like the tagline of Choco Willink, and he wrote a book by the, by this name. And Jordan Peterson writes a lot and talks a lot about um, um, yeah responsibility and also self sovereignty, but mostly responsibility. And I think Bitcoin embodies those principles very, very nicely. Like you have extreme ownership in Bitcoin and you also have a lot of personal responsibility in Bitcoin, like being your own bank comes with the personal responsibility. And so, yeah, my, I think I, I will, I will um, stick with the answer. It would be Jordan Peterson. That's a great point that you made right at the end there. Like which, who has, like who talks 
and the reason this resonates with me is because um, just yesterday morning, my wife and I listened to the uh, the recent uh, Russell Brown interview with Joe Wicks, and uh, Joe mm-hmm. Wicks is um, he's become now known as the uh, the world's PE teacher because each morning, nine a.m. UK time. Uh, he does a half an hour PE lesson for all the kids that are in quarantine, and this thing's just gone globally <laughs> crazy. Um, so, and we watch it. We do the the exercises with our kids in the morning and whatever. Uh, but listening to them talk, they were all about you know, it's about finding a way to reach as many people as possible to make their lives a little bit better to make their you know. Um, like Russell Brand wants to take away anxiety through um, like meditation and um, self-awareness and Joe Wicks wants to take away anxiety through um, uh, the medium of exercise. And I'm thinking, man, guy, if you guys could just take a little bit of time to listen to a few Bitcoin podcasts because if you could share this with millions of people, you'd be helping in, in so many different ways. So that's a nice question, you know, which – which community is is already primed but just doesn't know it yet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking of you as well because uh, the homeschooling community, I think, is as well um, has has a large overlap with with, with uh, that stuff. And yeah, I, I think it's just uh, it's funny that uh, when we talk about these things right now, uh, the way you phrased it, if, if those guys could just um, listen to some of the Bitcoiners, you know, uh, I, I I always have to think about if if they would just listen to the internet people, you know, I'm I'm convinced in a couple of years we will uh, we will uh, have a world where uh, Bitcoiners don't exist anymore. Like I, 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 last year, I gave it ten years. Uh, I, I think I gave it nine years, so <laughs> I'm sticking to this prediction more or less. In in, in roughly nine years, um, that's you know still three halvings. That was my my uh, thought process. Um, just wait three more halvings, and we probably won't be talking about bitcoiners anymore because everyone it's it's just like internet people, you know, or smartphone people. Everyone is a smartphone person. Everyone is an internet person, and you don't have to differentiate anymore. So that's my my optimistic outlook for the future. That's a great way to look at it timeline as well just three more halvings that's amazing yeah it's not too much be, anymore that could be like, the title but... of the show just <laughs> <laughs> yeah just three just more halvings, three more halvings. But, <laughs> but just keep in mind so far we only had two so it's it's still it's, it's still a long while yeah. you know? <laughs> but we're we're um um past the half point already so <laughs> it's only only um nine more years and that was true last year as well and it's three more halvings man amazing well Dojiji, thank you so much again for for coming on the show and talking through all of these different points and how it all relates to Bitcoin and for everything you're doing for the community, all of your writing, all of the podcasts that you appear on. Um, you know, it's uh, it it's brilliant work. It's it's really very very important. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me again, and thanks for the wide-ranging conversation. If if someone has any like needs any sources or has any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out on me on Twitter. Like, it's still the best the best place to reach me, even though I try to tune it down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so reach out at the Gigi, and um, that is well. Let's shield your resources um, website because I had John Vallis on the show, and he he said without doubt hands down that is the place for newbies to go to so what is um what is the wh- where where should we send people 
Yeah, if you want to throw away the next two or three years of your life, just go to bitcoin-resources.com and you can read my book uh, for free online on 21lessons.com and there are also links to Amazon where you can purchase it because I just can't be bothered of um, sending it, printing it myself. <laughs> so the only place to get it right now is Amazon. But that might change in the future. So uh, I still have to think about that. And yeah, bitcoin-resources.com, 21lessons.com, theirgg.com and those are the places where you can find me. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time. Have a um, have a great evening. Enjoy the rest of that beer, and um, you know, welcome Thanks. welcome <laughs> to fatherhood and parenthood. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's an amazing thing, and uh, I'm sure you're going to enjoy every minute of it. It is. Have a good night. Thanks for having me. Thank you, mate. Bye bye. Bye. Well, uh, I. I want to extend my thanks again to Der Gigi for sparing the time to come on and um, talk through so many of these different topics and talk through some of the uh, recent writing that he's done. This is the second time he's come on the show, so he's given up lots of time now to um, to sit down and talk to me about uh, you know what's on his mind, uh, how he fell into Bitcoin, where he sees it going forward, the writing he's done, the thoughts he has. Uh, truly an amazing person. To, to have in the Bitcoin space. Uh, go and check out the Bitcoin resources he's put together because you know it's a, a one-stop shop for anybody that is coming in new to the space. This is like, you know, everything you need. It's all there, all the resources uh, that uh, you know he he finds to be the best uh, the best place to start. And his book, 21 Lessons, it's so easy to read. It's even easier to listen to if you head over to um Guy Swan's podcast, The Crypto Economy, and listen to Guy read it to you because it's incredible. Uh, and it's written in such a way, it's just so easy to understand and it really gets to some of the points that um, you know is wrong with the, the current financial system and why Bitcoin could be uh, not the answer, but at least a hedge to, to have some of your wealth stored outside of the current system. I really enjoyed this chat because you know, focusing on the future and how that's going to look and legacy is dead. Uh, you know, we, we've got to start doing things differently. And the way that uh, Dejiji thinks about that and has positive, positive thoughts about that is really refreshing. And um, yeah, if you have any anything to add, uh, you know, tag myself and uh, Dejiji in a, in a tweet and. We, we'll do our best to get back to as many people as we can and answer any questions or share any thoughts. Uh, you know, this is a, a great open community and everybody wants to come together and, and figure this thing out. Uh, and the more we learn, uh, you know, the stronger we become. And, um, yeah, it's very important, very important that we all drive forward together and, um, you know, look, f look for a better future. I hope... Um, Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for supporting the show, everybody. Any any like, any comment, any retweet, uh, it all goes a long, long way. Um, any any anyone that you can think of that uh, might enjoy this podcast, talking about the legacy system, talking about going into a new system, just please, you know, share the link with them, and uh, let's hope we can bring one more person into the Bitcoin space. Thank you so much, everybody. Take care, and I look forward to the next episode. Bye-bye.